Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. I should have known better, Brad, than to take a uh, a football-themed jab at you before because very quickly I got the when was the last Lions playoff win and very quickly I shut the hell up. <laughs> That's how you know I'm off kilter today. I just had no bearings as to where I was, and I, I walked into a battleground completely unequipped. Yeah, it's like your brain's lagging behind five years back to when the Lions and the Bills were both factories of sad. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, no, wait, the, the Bills have been a wagon for the last few years. So <laughs> I actually have ammo for the first time in my life. It's not fun. We don't like when Brad has any fun in conversations. Absolutely not. When Brad walks in the front door, Evan and I immediately you know, make three themed insults. We, we decide ahead of time, like, what are we going for today? You know, personal life, appearance. Um, it's pretty much just those two, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and today, as a Lions fan, you settled on football. Yeah, I'm not smart, man. No one ever <laughs> accused me of being smart. Man, hockey's back. Red Wings sweaters, the winged wheel is on the ice. Uh, Red Wings prospects are on there. It is definitely a more normal year without, you know, more cider um, out there just completely dominating people. So you actually have to take a discerning eye watching prospect tournament games. But yeah, Red Wings hockey has started. It was nice. Yeah. It was, it was just nice. The break was good, but uh, my body's ready for for the return of real hockey now. So folks, welcome to the winged wheel podcast here to talk to you about all things, Detroit Red Wings prospects, the main club, the world of the NHL and hockey beyond that. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. On this episode of the winged wheel podcast, we'll be talking about uh, the Red Wings prospect tournament, how it's gone so far, a couple of games, uh, some notable prospects, Sebastian Kosa, Elmer Soderblom, uh, Simon Edmondson, Johansson, Lombardi, Cross Hannes, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we'll be talking about a update, not update, kind of update about Dylan Larkin's contract negotiation with Steve Eiserman and the Detroit Red Wings on a potential extension. Uh, we'll be taking a look at some things happening across the NHL. We'll take overtime questions and uh, whatever else comes into comes into our heads. Before we do that, uh, we want to talk to you about something that we were actually chatting about uh, pre-episode. Winged Wheel Podcast Night at the LCA, our third go-around in our partnership with the Detroit Red Wings uh, in support of the Jamie Daniels Foundation. This event um, has been a huge uh, success and, and you all have made it bigger uh, than we've ever imagined and officially bigger than the LCA space that we were using can handle. So wing wheel podcast night at the LCA Saturday at the LCA Saturday, October 29th against the Minnesota wild. Um, we used to use the beer garden space, but you have all bought so many tickets and the event keeps growing more and more with the amount of tickets that you're buying. So for the pre podcast or pre game live podcast, uh, we are actually going to be moving just a short hop, skip hop and a skip down the road to hockey town cafe. Uh, Ken Daniels and Mickey Redmond are going to be joining us there for a live podcast. It will be the same thing where there will be uh, meet and greet merch giveaways, uh, prizes. You can obviously grab food and drinks there. Uh, there will be indoor and outdoor space and we'll be able to, to accommodate the many hundreds of you who are going. So um, that is just pregame. And then for the game, we'll all walk down. 
uh, you can head down before we can meet us. Uh, we can all meet there. And then we have the winged wheel podcast, uh, sections. The entire gondola is ours. We have lower bowl. We have upper bowl sections. Uh, all of them winged wheel podcast fans and listeners, uh, they're full to the brim when we're there. So it's a lot of fun. And then post game, we're going to be at Harry's Detroit, uh, to keep the party going and, uh, have some more meet and greet with, uh, us schlups, the hosts of the winged wheel podcast. Some important notes in there. The tickets get you access to the pregame live podcast. They get you, obviously, it's a ticket to the Red Wings versus Minnesota Wild game. The tickets are discounted. You get a special winged wheel podcast discount. And uh, each ticket, a portion of the proceeds, goes directly to the Jamie Daniels Foundation, uh, which is a phenomenal cause. Uh, part of the Wings Money on the Board campaign as well. It feeds into that, wherein you raised over $32,000 last season alone. So uh, DetroitRedWings.com slash WWP, or go to the link in the uh, description of this episode to get your Winged Wheel Podcast Night tickets today. They are going fast. Excited to do this at Hockey Town Cafe. So um, it's just part of like the evolution of these. We're going to see how it goes. And uh, if it works, amazing. And if you guys are all, like if we need an even bigger space, I mean, we're probably going to have to just sit at center ice eventually, I think. <laughs> well, this is what, late October? Yeah, the Tigers won't be playing. We'll just take America Park. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's all closed. That's what I love about downtown Detroit. No matter where you go, you can just walk to the arena after. So yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Okay. Um why don't we start with the prospect tournament? That's what everything uh, is is kind of, that's what the buzz is around Hockey Town right now. Detroit has played two games uh, in the prospect tournament so far at the time of recording on uh, Sunday early evening here. And uh, the first one was a 5-2 win over Columbus's prospects. And then last night was a thrilling 5-4 uh, eventual loss against the Dallas Stars. Um, where will um, Riley Piercy? play on or unsigned prospect uh, roster player Riley Piercy play on Detroit's top six <laughs> after his four goal performance just kidding but honestly that was awesome for him yes this is also the first time I've ever heard his name so good, <laughs> yeah good for him yeah great first weekend for him so let's start with that that 5-2 win over Columbus um, obviously headlined by this you know unsigned prospect one of those bodies that they bring in to fill the team and uh made a name for himself, Riley Piercy, five, two or four goals and a five, two win. Um, what other notable storylines were there in there? I'd say the only truly notable storyline for the Red Wings, you know, we'll call it long-term future, uh, with all due respect to Riley Piercy, um, was that this is probably, that was probably the best I've seen Sebastian Cosa look in a long time. Um, I know we talked at length, um, after the World Juniors and after his season ended about his, his athleticism, but his absolute awful tendency to lose his crease and get scrambly and be way too active in the net. That didn't happen for that for the first half of that game when he played. Um, there was one or two times where he was caught a little swimming, um, but for the most part, he was centered, sound, controlled, quiet in the net, which for someone his size is what you want to see. Because when you have a goalie like Kosa – with that special level level of athleticism, that that really should be just you know a break glass in case of emergency um, skill. So you know you, the other team makes a perfect cross ice pass, and he's like, "Well, shit, got to get over there in a hurry." That's where it comes in handy. So to see him really quiet himself down in the crease and have a good game was a huge positive. That's really been 
what people have been wanting from Kosa. And he, I, I think there's been a little bit of overexposure for him for the amount of hockey he's been playing. Um, and it's very easy to forget that in between games, whether it's, you know, WHL playoffs or the CHL uh, uh, with the Memorial Cup or wherever he might be playing, there's not been a lot of time to rest, recover, work with a goalie coach, just get some, you know, pucks in on practice without game time uh, situations to kind of adjust his game. So I, I think probably we've been watching Kosa a little too closely and expecting too much transition in a short period of time. So yeah, there there is finally this glimpse of what we've been wanting to see from him, which is what Brad, you just alluded to. The athleticism is there and that's not a question. It's be there before the puck gets there. That's a lot of what Jesper Wallstadt was, you know, applauded for coming into the draft was his ability to just kind of always be so positionally sound. So it, it's one game, mind you, like it's a very limited look at Kosa, but it's a nice kind of sigh of relief for people who maybe had the panic button uh, on Kosa. So yeah, good first game for him. And uh, a first look at uh, Simon Edvinson. Well, are we done talking about Kosa? No, let's keep going. I kind of want to talk about his gear. That's right. Yeah. I kind of want to talk. really about- interesting. Because it. Okay, everybody who's rolling their eyes because I'm me and you it's not why you think. Um, he was wearing red gear with a cat eye cage on his helmet, which doesn't seem like that big of a deal because the Edmonton Oil Kings are, you know, a primarily red team, although he's been traditionally wearing red, white, and blue pads there. But most notably, cat eye is illegal in Canada for players to use. He's not allowed to wear it in the WHL. So it seems weird that he would adjust to something now just to flip back to something else later. And I mean, going with the red gear when, again, traditionally he's worn red, white, and blue with the Oil Kings. Uh, He says he still doesn't know where he's playing this year. And that could be very well true. This just might be him hinting at this is where he wants to play this year, or this might be a hint that the team plans on keeping him in the States for the year. So not the be all end all of everything but i thought it was noteworthy credit to whoever pointed that out george malik was the first one I yeah yeah pointed yeah that, out. that was george so um and it further lends to the reports we saw coming out of the oil kings which was that they were essentially preparing for uh for costa to go pro whether that's the ahl uh the nhl or, or you know could be the echl as well you have to think it's the echl right because between they have four well-established goalies above him in the pecking order. So I think if you asked Steve Eisman today and gave him like one drop of truth serum, he'd say it's wherever he earns his spot. It could be, yeah. Yeah, because he obviously gets priority over every other goalie in this organization because yeah. he's the one they've invested the most into. But uh, So Simon Edvinson, first look. And I think for a lot of people, the – kind of takeaway for that first game i think this is something that max boltman actually noted um he did a write-up on the athletic detroit um maybe a little bit more reserved than some people were expecting in his first game uh not a bad game at all but you know edvinson's known for jumping into the rush generating some offense taking some chances but kind of seemed to ease himself into into the game against columbus this guy's gonna drive me nuts i can (laughs) i can feel it now (laughs) Like I like obviously watching him and especially in the second game. My God, he like, you know, that saying with Lidstrom, like he plays a game in a rocking chair. Edvinson definitely has that vibe to him. And that's more or less a positive, um, especially when you have the talent level that Edvinson has. But man, some of the bad habits that 
I remember watching going into the draft have are have not gone away. <laughs> there were so many times he was too casual with a play, caused a problem. He was too aggressive in the offensive zone. There was a lot of times, especially against Dallas, where you'd see Dallas coming down on the rush and then Edvinson chasing them, which is a problem if you're the defenseman. And he tries a lot of unnecessary stuff with the puck. Um, you know, just uh, he was the last guy back when Detroit had an empty net. And rather than just using his 3,000 foot reach to skate around the guy, he decided to try and pull it under his stick and almost turned it over. Like the Dallas player got his stick on it. Evanson was just able to recover. Um, but then there was also plays where he came up the ice and tried pulling it through a defenseman's legs twice and it worked. And he almost scored on the play. It was insane. So Edmondson still is that prospect with all of the tools in the world, but troubles with decision-making and pace, which again, for anybody who's been following Edmondson for a couple of years, this isn't new. Um, and the way he played this weekend, honestly, he doesn't have a chance at the Red Wings. Zero, none. But really, if he can clean up a couple of those things, the talent is super obviously there. But at the NHL, like he just does stuff you can't get away with against better players. Like you just can't. Like the fancy moves, like I alluded to, where he pulled it through the same guy's legs like twice, essentially. Uh, you're not doing that in the NHL. So, as fancy as it looks in junior, it, it's a good indication of the high skill level he has. But he's got to understand how to use that above levels and he's got to understand what he can and can't get away with. Because if he can't or almost can't get away with something in a rookie tournament, it's a 0% chance that it works in the NHL, right? So I come came away with Edmondson's performance uh, from the World Juniors in this pretty much where we've always kind of been on him, but it's just kind of cemented my mind to the other end of what we did, talked about a few weeks ago, which is I don't think he's going to make the Red Wings opening day lineup just because too many warts that he still has to work out that are, don't get me wrong, before everybody's going, oh no, we made a horrible pick. Everything wrong with Simon Edmondson is very easily fixed. And if if Edmondson focuses and and takes and is he's like coachable and and he takes it to heart, these are problems players can fix. There's no problem with his hockey IQ. There's no problem with his talent. It's just picking his spots better and at times playing with a little more urgency. And they're very normal for this point in his career and his prospect pr- progression. Like you do not, I, I'm going to sound like a broken record. Do not apply the the cider template to Simon Edmondson. It's going to be tempting and you're, you're going to want to do it. But cider was one in a million in terms of how prospects progress. Won the Calder. You cannot apply that to everyone. Can't even apply the Lucas Raymond progression. I know the positions aren't the same, but still. So, you know, I, I had a, We'll talk about the second game as well. With Edmondson, I largely agree with you, Brad. There are definitely warts and not problematic ones where you're like, he can't address them. It's it's very normal for young defensemen. Very normal. It takes them a long time to really have a refined game. Um, but I also saw flashes of why he was Detroit's pick uh, so high in the first round. I could see it going either way. I don't really think the Red Wings are the the kind of team to do this, but I, I don't want to write off the possibility of him having a good training camp and the Red Wings just deciding, hey, let's park this guy in the third pair, shelter his minutes, give him someone solid to play with, and we want him to figure this out at the pro level, at pro pace, and we'll see how it goes. And if, if it doesn't work, they can send him down. 
it's not entirely different than what you just said, Brad, because, you know, starting up and then going up and down is no different than, you know, starting down in Grand Rapids and then coming up later. But they they might find that they want to see how he does at the NHL level before definitely putting him down in Grand Rapids. That said, this is a really good time to have a Simon Edvinson in Grand Rapids because there's going to be a lot of other talent there because the Detroit Red Wings roster is going to be a lot more naturally filled out with, you know, capable NHL players for the first time in a while. So, I mean, they have eight or nine NHL caliber defensemen right now. So there's absolutely no need to rush Edvinson. And yeah, there could be something to be said with, Hey, you can't, this this stuff can't fly at the NHL level. Well, we're going to prove it to you. You're going to play a handful of games and, and you'll see what we mean and then send them down to Grand Rapids and fix it. Definitely possible. Um, yeah, because it's it's not a talent issue. If you're just talking about Edvinson's tools, yeah, he, he's an NHLer yesterday. But unfortunately, that's not the way it works. Yeah, a normal progression for a defenseman is like you have the raw skill and you have the flashes and the kind of future vision into what you will be, but very few come in and are able to execute with NHL consistency and accuracy and uh, ability from day one. It's it's immensely tough to do that. You know, Sider's ramp up was 10 games, and usually it takes like 150 <laughs> to give a defenseman, even like a very well-regarded defenseman, solid top four minutes. So a season in the AHL would not hurt at all. I've, then again, it's it's still early. Training camp's going to dictate a lot. Where do you land on, on Simon Edvinson right now, though? Yeah, like you guys. Well, I mean, what else is there left to say? <laughs> I thought you know hockey's back. <laughs> hey, I got to dust that one off. Um, no, I'm kind of in the same vein as you guys. Like he's got all the tools. Like his hands are ridiculous. There is defenseman that big should not have puck skills like that. It's a theme on the Red Wings. Eh? Just massive dudes with the softest hands ever. It, it actually doesn't make sense. No. Imagine Soderblom and Edmondson in a game of two-on-two keep-away with someone. <laughs> that, could, that could last a week before the other people touch the puck. Honestly, in like low-key, Sider's hands are really good for someone his size. Anyways, keep going. So, you know, I'd, I'd rather him try things now than he gets to the pro level and it's just like, oh my God, what are we doing? <laughs> what have we done? And I don't even think it would get there, like... No NHL coach is ever going to want stuff like that unless you're an absolute bottom feeder and mistakes don't matter. But clearly that's not the message that's being presented to the fans and to the te- to the, the players in the organization this year. He's got to beat out, like you guys said, like massive depth, NHL caliber depth on the left-hand side. Um, are any of them really superstars? No. But NHL caliber, they're going to go into training camp and they're not going to make any mistakes and they're going to make every drill look routine. And he's got to somehow stand out from that. And that is incredibly difficult as a young defenseman. If Simon Edvinson was doing was coming into North America a year ago, we'd be having a way different conversation. Oh, a thousand percent. It would be they should really work on sheltering Simon Edvinson's minutes and matchups when he absolutely has to play on the red wings this year because there's no one else no no, it wouldn't be that it would just be uh on repeat please please god please my god please (laughs) (laughs) or if he was on the arizona coyotes they'd love him he'd be first line left-handed defenseman he might play first line center with their depth chart right now honestly (laughs) 
I think they have some other defensemen who might say something about that. Uh, the second game de- that Detroit played, I alluded to, was a 5-4 loss to Dallas, which is a little bit of a thriller. And someone I want to – a couple players I want to talk about there is um, Elmer Soderblom, obviously. You know, aside from Simon Edvinson and Sebastian Kosa, I think he's one of the most notable and and watched players uh, in the prospect tournament, and, and especially in terms of Red Wings prospects overall, um, continues to impress for me. Uh, Grand Rapids coach Ben Simon made a note to say that his skating has improved, which is good because he definitely needed to work on that to get to NHL pace, um, but looked good out there, especially with Amadeus Lombardi. Oh, man, that line of uh, those two and uh, Tuchayev was, they were real good. Real, real good. Um, Dallas largely controlled that game, but not at all when the, those three were on the ice. And I mean, Soderblom, again, you know, not to, to beat it to death, it came as advertised, like didn't do much off the rush, um, was competent on the rush. So I don't want to say he was bad there, but it didn't really threaten when the puck was on his stick. But if it was on someone else's stick, he was finding the soft areas to get to, to create chances in the offensive zone off the cycle. He looked phenomenal in front of the net. He looked phenomenal. He had a wicked one-timer off the rush uh, on a great play and feed by uh, Lombardi. So yeah, when you, when you have a guy who who's going to be that dangerous down low, but can also just wire a one T from around the top of the circles with accuracy and power, like he, he's legit going to be a weapon from Anywhere on the ice from the top of the circles down. Not to mention his uh, stretch pass for the cross hands breakaway goal. Yeah, yeah. When you when he can have that type of vision again. When you're that big, and even if you're not a great skater, though that it's improved. The beauty of hockey, you don't have to skate to move the puck and to get the puck up ice quickly. So if you're able to make those reads quickly and make the passes, yeah, you can get away with not being fast. Like you look at Ryan O'Reilly, who looks like he's skating through quicksand every time he's on the ice and yet you come away. Oh yeah. He was the best player in that game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not, not to say sort of bloom, uh, below average skating though improved is going to hinder him. It's just, he has all the tools to work around it and he, God, he looked good. It's funny watching Soderblom and it's funny watching the chemistry, which I hope is a thing to note in future years as well with Amadeus Lombardi, who is about almost a foot shorter. (laughs) And uh, man, we talked about Lombardi before the draft. We talked about Lombardi after he was picked by Detroit. It's still early, you know, don't start raising banners yet. Relax Nashville, but Amadeus Lombardi is looking like one hell of a fourth round pick or at least a fun one. He's looked good every step of the way so far. It's like the puck follows him on the ice. He just always seems to have it, and and he always seems to make something happen when he has it. Like, again, if you haven't seen Soderblom's goal from yesterday, go watch it, but don't watch the Wicked one-timer. Watch Lombard, what Lombardi does to set it up. He stole a defenseman's soul. Oh, rest in peace, that own, defenseman. And then just made one quick little stick handle barely looked over and fired a perfect cross-seam pass through traffic to Soderblom for the goal. Like, the stuff you can't teach. Like, the type of vision you just have. And again, he he's small, which he has working against him, but he's quick, he's smart, and he has hands. You know, when, you, when you're that size, you damn well better be dynamic or you do not have a chance at the NHL level. 
Lombardi's dynamic out there. He makes things happen. He's one of those players where you can already see that that, that dynamic aspect to his game. And by no means is he NHL ready. Like he's no, he's got he's, he's got a long road ahead of him. Much like Evanson, there's there's many warts. But um, you, you can see what he can do that could lead him to the NHL. Fun, man. You wouldn't expect that from a fourth round pick. No, not this quickly too. And he was an overager with only one year of OHL experience because he didn't play, again, for anybody who didn't listen to our post-draft episode, he didn't play in the OHL in his 16 or 17-year-old season, which would have been, his 17-year-old season would have been his original draft year. Yeah. And then his 18-year-old year was his rookie year in the OHL and he got drafted to the NHL straight off that season and then walks into development camp and shines and then everybody's like, okay, but yeah, it's three on three. Who cares? And then walks into the rookie tournament and everybody's like, oh, yeah. okay then. Cross Hannes. Cross Hannes has been an interesting prospect since he was drafted. Um, super high level of skill. Um, kind of peaks and valleys in terms of his development and has been on the rise of late, especially with this most recent season. How's he look so far? Because I think he's he's kind of flying under the radar in terms of being an interesting prospect for the future of Detroit. Kind of funny. You used the term flying under the radar. Cause that was kind of the impression I got how he plays. Mm-hmm. He, he seems to be the, the opposite in a sense of what Lombardi is where when Lombardi's on the ice, you notice he's on the ice instantly. I didn't get that vibe with Hannes, but every time you noticed him, he was doing something good. He was making something happen. Like you could, you could see the skill and the vision and the shot um, obviously the tools to make him successful, but yeah, he was either invisible on a shift, which in some ways is good. It means something bad's not happening to him or while he's on the ice and then you don't notice him. Don't notice him. Don't notice him. Oh, who the hell just made that pass? Oh, that was Hannes. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's on a breakaway. Where did that come from? And then he rips one. So yeah, he's interesting. And there's tons of guys like that in the NHL. So I definitely don't mean this is a negative. Um, just that guy that seems to to be able to slip into the quiet areas and, and execute the plays uh, with a high skill level when they become available, but doesn't seem to be able to be the guy to create the opportunity or kind of force an opportunity. Again, that not that that's a huge knock because again, you need those types of players, but still interesting. Another forward I want to uh, make note of here, and it's not the first time we'll have heard his name is Kareel the Thrill. Definitely the official Corral the Thrill in uh, in in NHL and pro hockey uh, to Taev, who's been impressive before. I think has been a little bit derailed. He's very small and had a was it shoulder? Yeah, he barely played last year. Um, but also, I I don't think he's necessarily necessarily flown under the radar. He's one of those guys where he goes out there and then you immediately like the inbox is full of questions like. Why isn't Tutayev being talked about more? Talked about more. Why isn't he, you know, on the roster? Why isn't he a potential candidate for the bottom six, et cetera, et cetera? A lot of similarities to Hannes in the sense of not a guy you notice every shift, but just smart and makes the plays when they're presented to him. Um, and again, like Hannes, you have to be exceptional with the puck when those opportunities come available. If you're not going to be the guy that's going to force them or or uh, drive them. So 
Yeah, I, I, more of the same from what we've seen from Tutayev over the last, you know, uh, 12 to 16 months. Um, so still like him, still impressed, still has a long road to the NHL because, again, if you're not the biggest and you're not the fastest and you're not super dynamic, it's an uphill climb. So there's a potential future here as a complimentary player. But, yeah, again, at this point, given that he was a seventh-round pick and that he was playing in the Belarusian League two seasons ago – phenomenal progress yeah i would still probably consider him a long shot um but like to be fair i'd consider hannes a long shot yeah so the name of the game with prospects is very few of them actually ever make it so get as many balls in the hopper as you can we talk about it with draft picks this is why because you got to turn the draft picks into prospects yeah so when you get a guy late in the second round like hannes a guy in the fourth round like lombardi and a guy in the seventh round like tutayev and here we are less than what two years out from all their drafts, two, three years, and we're going, yeah, there's still a chance for all of them. That right there is already above expected value relative to where they were drafted. Jumping over to defense, um, this game was, it seemed, and, and this was actually noted to me before, I had to had to go out and uh, rewatch the game. It's out in the woods. Um, caught some of it, but it the little bit that I caught on my initial watch through, I could tell this was Simon Edvinson more comfortable. He had his first game under his belt, you know, probably was talked to and said, hey, you are a pretty dynamic offensive player. You make a lot of things happen off the rush. Do that. This is the time to do it. And it seems like he did plenty of that. Oh, did he? And, you know, you you alluded to this and and spoke about it when we were talking about his first game, Brad. The, The notes from his, even from his draft profile, actually, is like, the skill is there, the talent is there, the offensive mind is there, but the decision-making and the kind of the when to go on the offensive rush was probably not perfect that game, to put it lightly. Um, and that that all plays into what Brad was talking about, where those kinds of mistakes get exposed in a big way at the NHL level. So it's okay now to do that, work on that now, refine it now, and probably in the AHL as well. But you saw more a more offensively uh, minded, a much more offensively driven Simon Edvinson in the second game. So kind of feeling out his game and showing himself off a little bit more. Yes, my opinion from game one to two didn't change at all. <laughs> Let's talk about, uh, again, this is someone who we've mentioned is probably forgotten about in terms of potential strong Red Wings defensive defensive candidates um, because there's a full roster ahead of him and Simon Edvinson is the first name there. But Albert Johansson, how'd he look? He killed a guy. Yeah, that was a big hit. He killed a guy. So he's actually the brother of a buddy of mine, the guy that he crushed. So I, I immediately That's sent him that video. It was great. <laughs> Mike and Nolts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I didn't know he had that in him. <laughs> Never did not see the the thunderous hits on the Albert Johansson highlight reel, but here we are. Um, Johansson was good in very Albert Johansson style. Not flashy, just effective. No glaring mistakes, nothing stupid, just smart, simple, effective plays. Got an assist off a, a simple point shot that was just in the right spot where, um, God, I can't remember the guy's first name, Bliss tipped it in. Again, that's what's going to make Johansson successful at the NHL level is just smart, simple, and efficient. Trenton Bliss. Trenton Bliss, yeah. And makes the plays quick, doesn't waste time. Again, Johansson's never had the profile of like an Edmondson or a Wallander where you're like, the tools, oh my God, the tools. Um, but Johansson's a good skater and he's smart and he uses those two things effectively for the Red Wings to have players who are smart, 
a good skater and can have an eye for the offensive zone across two different defensive pairings will be a massive boon if and when he makes the team. The expectation is that, you know, we talk about guys who are a longer shot, Hannes Tutayev, et cetera. Johansson doesn't, isn't in that category. He is very much expected to make this team eventually. Is this Red Wings tournament defense better than last year's Red Wings defense minus Sider? <laughs> Add Sider to this tournament defense and how well do they fare? <laughs> the answer is you don't want. Today at 11. Plus, we would have had someone named Biaka Batuka. Great name. I am. We have Biaka Batuka and Ivan Ivan on this team. I know they're just free agent invitees and they probably have no futures in the NHL, but can we please find a way to get Ivan Ivan and Biaka Batuka on the Griffins at least? I can already hear. I can already hear the Bally Sports Detroit broadcast where Ken very carefully enunciates so everyone knows. And he you know, points out like this is how it's pronounced. And uh, Mick, you just make, hear Mick go, what? <laughs> <laughs> we all deserve that as Red Wings fans. Oh, man. The, the Red Wings are definitely going for the all-name team and it is working. That's a very quick uh, early roundup on the Red Wings prospect tournament. And I think a, a important note here is that one game does not make the entire tournament. Don't draw conclusions on prospects just from this. Otherwise, Riley Piercy would be Detroit's, you know, a, a first line uh, forward for the Red Wings. Were you on Twitter Friday night? Oh, I tried not to be. Yeah, because yeah. uh, there was a window there where Riley Piercy was the Red Wings' second power play quarterback. Amazing, <laughs> love it. Um, <laughs> there, this is the time for these players to kind of show themselves. They're going to be. Sh- trying really hard which means the mistakes are going to be bigger but the successes are going to be flashier and uh, you're going to see guys where you're like wow so impressive amazing and then they just go back to you know not in grand rapids and not in detroit and you're going to go where did they go and that's just the name of the game um and then there's always training camp like players can have a phenomenal prospect tournament and then in training camp when they're against nhl bodies and uh preseason games against you know grown men playing for their jobs it all can go away fast so um, set expectations low, enjoy the Red Wings prospect group, have a critical eye and, uh, it's just fun. It's just fun. All right. Before we move over here to the, uh, the Larkin contract negotiation, I first want to mention to you that this episode of the Winged wheel podcast is proudly brought to you by NordVPN. Are you missing out on a game or your favorite show because it's not available in your region? Let me introduce NordVPN. Using NordVPN and a click of a button, you can watch and browse as if you're elsewhere in the world, making sure you never miss a game and can watch whatever content you'd like. No need to travel across the continent or oceans for your favorite team when NordVPN brings it right to you. With over 5,000 server options, no game or show is out of your reach. Using the link nordvpn.com slash wingedwheel, you can receive a huge discount on NordVPN's cybersecurity two-year plan, plus four free months. We, of course, all love to binge, but privacy is a big deal too. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted, so you never have to worry about your IP or location getting out. They've also doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. Say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. Don't forget, there's literally no risk to you with their 30-day money-back guarantee. Give it a try, and if you like it, great. If you don't, they'll issue a refund and you can pretend the entire thing never happened. Check out our special link, nordvpn.com slash wingedwheel to get your subscription started today. 
All right. And an update, maybe kind of update, sort of update for the Dylan Larkin contract extension that has not come to us yet. Um, it was reported on Sportsnet by Luke Fox. Uh, he noted a chat that is to come uh, still to be published between Dylan Larkin and 32 Thoughts, uh, where he mentions that uh, he believes they are close or I'll, I'll read the quote. I do believe we're closer than we've ever been. And that's in reference to him and the Red Wings negotiating his contract quoted as saying we're having conversations a lot of negotiating going back and forth ultimately in my heart it's where i want to be referring to detroit Uh, i don't really see myself playing for another team it's moving along i can't really tell you when or how uh, but that's where i want to be so one sign the contract man (laughs) simple as yeah we figured this out for you last week the number it's 8.71 just do it man it's first of all let's call that what it is that is media speak that's larkin giving what he can give without tanking his agent or pissing off the red wings like that is just a standard run-of-the-mill media answer so i i think for anything uh steve eisman adjacent that is an impressive amount of information it is still objectively speaking next to nothing you just tanked his av that knocked five grand off it right there now he's getting the Bertuzzi contract 8.59 Brad stop (laughs) Brad he's working his way down to Zetterberg here (laughs) Brad destroying a team's cap just to get them their cool jersey numbers in there yep hell yeah fire me up yeah no what else is Larkin gonna say like I can't wait for the day and I don't care what sport it is where a player comes out goes how are negotiations going what do you mean I hate it here this team sucks. I hate the GM, but for a big enough bag, I'll do whatever they want. <laughs> yeah, it's the the one thing that it was nice to hear in there was him just outright saying, like, I want to be in Detroit. And not so much as that, because every any player can say that. But he said, I don't really see myself playing anywhere else. And that aligns with what the team thinks of Larkin. That's what that aligns with what the fans think of Larkin like. That's the captain in hockey town. That is the heart and soul of this version of the Detroit Red Wings. Like he's the leader of the team, you know, officially with the C on his jersey and through de facto through the toughest times in the rebuild. Is it a surprise to hear that he thinks the same? No. Is it comforting when he doesn't have a contract beyond this upcoming season? I'll be honest and say, yeah, it is a little nerve wracking not having the captain of your team and one of your best players not signed. So, it's not really like, you know, not news to write home about. We didn't have an emergency podcast, but it was good to hear. And it inspires confidence that both sides are negotiating in good faith. The, my interpretation of this right now is extrapolating from the fact that he changed his agent to a, a basically a, a heavy a heavy hitter, like a big swing free agent that gets or um, agent that gets free agents their money. He wants to get his payday. He's not trying to leave Detroit. He just knows that this is going to be the biggest contract of his life and he's taking his time with it, but he's not going to, you know, hold out or walk or, or anything like that. I, I'm pretty confident that it's going to get done. Yes. After last episode, do you, you ever finish an episode and then you're thinking about it after and you're like, wow, I said something that was so boneheadedly stupid. When we were talking about percentages for um, the Larkin and Bertuzzi contract episode, I'm like, why did I say 85%? I honestly think I'm 95% plus certain that Larkin signs. Like, I think 85 was too doomer of me. I forget what I said, so. Yeah, you, me too. We can all, we can honestly assume that you said 71%, Brad. 
just because you're stuck on your little numbers game. That is a safe bet. I could have said like 90.71. There's no se- <laughs> You can use decimals and percentages. Does the uh does anything change in terms of how high his contract is based on, you know, Cairo signing 8 times 8.125? Anybody other than Steve Eiserman? <laughs> like I say that as like kind of tongue in cheek, but actually because Eiserman absolutely strikes me as the type of GM to go, well, we were talking around nine mil before these uh, idiot GMs overpaid their guys. I'm not overpaying my guys. So I'm paraphrasing, of course, but yeah, I, I could see something along those lines. You know, not that those are bad contracts, but yeah, it definitely set a high precedence for uh, centermen who have done a lot less than Dylan Larkin to this point in their careers. But then again, the NHL also is trending to the younger years being more valuable years. Yeah, it's a big paradigm shift in the NHL. It, it really is because getting Kyrou and Thomas, though they are not as good as Dylan Larkin, they are in a better spot to sign an eight-year contract because of their age. So that does come at a premium. Mm-hmm. So, because obviously if Dylan Larkin gets um, an eight-year deal, the realistically the last two to three years of that deal are not going to be... Well, surplus value dollars whereas with those guys who just signed theirs they should be able to in theory live up to every dollar of that contract for the entirety of it which is not the case for larkin so that could factor into negotiations there as well but because it's a relatively new paradigm shift in the nhl that could create a complicated negotiation if in fact they use that those contracts as a comparison what is the probability of Dylan Larkin signing for anything under nine in your mind? 50-50. I, I think around nine is probably where they're going. And like I said, Larkin's probably going for nine and a half. Stevie's probably going for 8.5 or 8.71. So it'll be it'll be close. That's my honest to God guess. Evan, you're my, uh, you're out and Brad and I's like ground, like Brad and I, I don't know if anyone's noticed. We have pretty, uh, emotional reactions to things. We're pretty animated. Only about certain things. My ears started ringing heavily when I said that. And that's either a sign that I'm, you know, bullshitting or that's absolutely true. (laughs) Or you lost one of the Q-tips you were jamming in your ear when I came over. You know, you know, no one asked you to like Homer Simpson with the crayons. (laughs) So it's a wonder why I have tinnitus. What is your measured take in terms of nervousness, if any, for for Lark and Bertuzzi? Because you know, I'm not sitting oh, here. That and Bertuzzi changes the context yeah. of that statement. <laughs> okay, <laughs> treat them independently. Because right now we're only hearing dialogue about Larkin, purely conjecture. But I think they're just trying to do Larkin first and then worrying about Bertuzzi. Um, and I'm not encouraging the fan base to be nervous. This is all standard process so far. It's way too early to, no. to start sounding the alarms. Be but. nervous. Come to the Wing Wheel podcast twice a week, every week for updates. We're your only <laughs> lifeline. Right. That's right. How are you feeling as someone uh, who can't feel, Evan? Um, I, I, I think the Larkin contract will get done. And to me, the AAV won't really even matter. It'll get done. or be like, okay, and we'll just move along with our lives. Because if he signs for nine and a half, we'll just say, you know, at the end of the end of year six, seven, eight, or whatever it may be, the cap will be way higher and the percent cap hit won't be that much. So who cares? If he signs for less, it's like, wow, great. We have more cap flexibility. I don't really see a, a losing scenario unless they don't sign him at all. But there's been no indication of 
of troubled waters in that regard. Like Larkin obviously holds the majority of the power in this negotiation because he's a pending UFA and he has a no move clause throughout this year. But even beyond that, with the Red Wings taking the very obvious step forward this offseason, you can't lose Larkin now. You can't. You can't say no, no, no. the rebuild is done. We are now trying to work our way up in the standings and then lose your best player. And are you really you gonna can't do that? Are you really gonna do it over a few hundred thousand dollars on in a on a monster deal that it's gonna be anyway? Like if if Stevie's absolute ceiling on AAV for Larkin is eight and a half and Larkin is firm, I'm not signing for anything less than like nine point seven. Stevie has to give it to him. You can't. Well, they would have traded him already. Then, you can't. Right? Like, yeah. 9.7 is a lot. Would you rather overpay Larkin by a million dollars a year right now or lose your arguable best player right at the turning point of a rebuild? Okay. Here's the thing. I have two. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm all for responsible salary cap management. And you can't do this with every player. But you ha- at this juncture in the rebuild... <laughs> You can't let him leave. There's a two. There's two facets. There's two components to my answer here. One, objectively, in a vacuum, let's remove the player, the, the context, everything from the situation. Just like important player, this part of your rebuild. Forget Larkin, Red Wings, whatever. Yes, you're right, Brad. Better to overpay your stars by a million than overpay a bunch of mid tier guys by more than that collectively. But. I'm comforted by the fact that it doesn't seem like Larkin would be the kind of guy to put the Red Wings in that scenario. Yeah. And I'm comforted by the fact that Steve Eisman seems to, as much as any other GM in the league, maybe the only ones who are comparable to him are like, you know, Brisebois or a couple others, uh, is able to get guys to buy into the program, buy into the system. Larkin has talked forever about wanting to win. Larkin hated the rebuild more than you hated it, more than you hated it, more than I hated it, more than the listener at home hated it, more than Ken and Mick hated having to call those games, which were a slog at best. That dude hates losing and loves to win. It just strikes me as the perfect kind of player, captain, etc. in that star tier to shave a little off the top to buy in. Plus, you know, the Red Wings have had a history of getting rid of his best friends on the team. <laughs> so if they say to him, hey, Dill, you know, we need a few hundred thousand extra because we want to lock in Bert. We don't want to get rid of him. And you know, he's a very tradable player right now. And you know, Momo and uh, Lucas this Raymond. This is the most polite blackmail I've ever heard. It's yeah. You know, it like Cider hey. L- R- and Raymond are coming up soon. Like he, Dylan's not stupid. Like hey, Larkin ha- wants to be on a winning team. So that sounds not- like a GM's problem. And from my point of view. Yeah. Hey, hey, Dylan, your buddy, Bert. Why don't you ask him how he likes Arizona for us? <laughs> Would hate how, for something to how's happen. His base, to, how's his base tan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hate for something to happen to his contract. No. Yeah. It's the long and short of it is Larkin's not stupid. His agent's not stupid. You know, he's he's wants to cash out here, which as everyone should advocate for yourself in the workplace, but he knows the impact, and I don't think he's gonna be like asking for demanding ten and a half or he walks. Or I should certainly hope not. I don't get that vibe from him no. as a person. Now, let's do Bertuzzi. How do you feel about that one? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> there's, no, there's no information yet. If there's been, yeah. Th- if there's no information about the Larkin contract, there's negative information about, about the yeah. Bertuzzi contract because I have no idea. I uh, I get the impression, 
or I have the worry even that we're not going to be talking in earnest about Bertuzzi's contract moves until 2023. We're going to be talking about that every every week until something is done. I just know it. It's a pretty... Whether there's any information or not, we're going to continue to talk about it. It's because it's the biggest storyline right now for the Red Wings contract situation. And other teams' media is going to start picking up on it. Maybe. I'm assuming they would. Oh, they will, because the Red Wings... Trade bait boards come out before the opening night rosters are even established. um, For better or for worse. Depends how you feel about that. Um, But it's going to be talked about all the time. Hey, hey, you're a Red Wings fan. You think uh you think uh, Stevie would accept a second round pick in this C level prospect for Bertuzzi? Oh, stay away. Stay away from the cap friendly uh, trade proposal discussions. It's okay, funny you mentioned that. The Red Wings are they like the Red Wings are going to be picked up by national media and other teams media. They have I think 13, maybe 14 national games. Sorry, 69 regular season games are going to be featured on Bally Sports Detroit or Bally Sports Detroit Extra. Nice. <laughs> That's a lot of games. That's among the league leaders in terms of national games. More national coverage means more coverage from other markets, which means they're going to do a lot of what we've been doing over the last seven plus years, which is trying to poach their best players in contract situations for cheap. It's this is uncharted territory for the podcast to cover two prevalent free upcoming free agents like this at this point in the rebuild. And it's kind of uncharted territory for, you know, this generation of Red Wings fandom to not know what's happening with Larkin and Bertuzzi yet. So for good reason, we're going to be talking about them for the next X amount of months. But boy, it's going to be nerve wracking for some people. I guess it really depends how you feel about Tyler Bertuzzi. Um it, it'll be interesting either way because either they resign him and the contract will be a, a, a great talking point or they'll trade him and then that will be an ex, an interesting talking point. I think the Tyler Bertuzzi contract or situation is a bigger milestone for turning around this franchise than the Dylan Larkin contract really is. Because I, you know, I, I have more confidence in the Dylan Larkin contract being done and, you know, like I said, AV be damned, whatever. But I think you na- navigating the Tyler Bertuzzi situation is far more important because you have to sort of get that right. I was initially, my initial reaction was to say that's a hot take, Evan. But I think you're right. Like that is going to be a, it's going to kind of be a, a flagpole to say what's happening next. And like you said, it's either full steam ahead with this core or it's going to be another Mantha like potentially blockbuster trade. It could be anything. Like, actually, it could be anything. Could even be a boat. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you mentioned your, uh, this just came to me now. You said your buddy's, is your buddy's brother who got lit up by Johansson. You guys remember when we posted the TikTok clip of, I think it was Cutter Gauthier. Yeah. And he rocked someone in the top comment <laughs> on that that TikTok video was, uh, yeah, that was me getting decked by him at the start of the video. <laughs> <laughs> You got to respect when someone can own the fact that they just got rocked. We've all, we've all been there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thankfully for us defensemen, Evan, it doesn't happen as often. And and thankfully for us, uh, large power forwards doesn't happen <laughs> <Yes>. as often. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Brad, Elmer, Soderbloom, Crisco. That's what we always say. I don't cut me down that much. Uh, there was a little bit of, uh, of discussion again on Soderbloom's name. And for the first while before it was actually... Um, we talked to some Swedish listeners and some Swedish commentators. I think we were want to say Soderblom as well, uh, but it is 
not perfect because English is a little bit of a bastardization of what Swedish is, but Soderbloom is as close as you can get to correct for the English pronunciation. Yeah, so well, Englishing it up. Yes. Yeah. The first part of this, the way they say Soderbloom, I, I could try. I would fail. You're better than me. I'll give you that. Okay. All right, uh, we're going to jump into overtime on this episode of the Wing Wheel Podcast, which is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. I want to talk to you a little bit about that. Our Patreon supporters uh, get a ton of great features and access, so they get access to the Wing Wheel Podcast Discord, which is absolute mayhem, but a lot of fun. It's going to heat up soon. Oh, yeah. Uh, you get access to ask your overtime questions, which are either featured on air uh, on the main episode or in the Patreon exclusive full overtime that's recorded right after this. Uh, so, that is much more of a fun, loose discussion. I let Brad and Evan swear a little bit. Um, and that is recorded, <laughs> depending on the day, recorded and posted right after this, which is uh, fun. And uh, we, as we announced the last episode, we have tickets to every single Red Wings home game this year. And uh, most of those tickets are going to be given away straight to Patreon supporters. So it's two tickets, uh, wonderful seats, uh, 41 games and Patrons are going to be getting the large majority of those. Uh, a lot will also be um, donated to the Jamie Daniels Foundation, and we'll do some cool giveaways for the other ones. But the vast, vast majority will go to patrons. So that's another benefit. That's just a little preview of the benefits for uh, Patreon supporters. Patreon.com slash Winged Wheel Podcast. If you want to know how this show runs through the offseason, how we're able to run Winged Wheel Podcast nights at the LCA in partnership with the Detroit Red Wings, and everything else we do that is even mildly cool, thank your local Dub Dub Club patreon supporter all right let's start with a comment here from the patented uh piss missile says which pair would you rather have casper and edvinson or mctavish and drysdale that's tough mctavish has looked good and mctavish i yeah i'm i'm leaning mctavish and drysdale here it's not a knock on Casper, but remember where McTavish went in his draft. Honestly, I don't know if it's a hot take. I think I probably have Casper and McTavish closer than I have Drysdale and Edvinson. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know if I agree. It's it, We're splitting hairs here. But. I, I think it's a lot of it's not necessarily talent level, but more so certainty. We know Jamie Drysdale is a good NHL defenseman already, whereas, again, with some of the rough spots in Edmondson's game that he has to work out, could go a long way to determine whether he's a star defenseman or just like a good defenseman, whereas that's already Drysdale's baseline. Which way would you lean? McTavish, Drysdale as well. It's not a knock on on Casper Edvinson, but yeah, that McTavish Drysdale that would solve. That would be a those were different drafts, though, right? Because we got Casper this draft. Yeah, yeah, you're. you're this is just because we never even had a chance at McTavish. No, we picked after. It's the same thing as Cutter Goche, where McTavish we we're like, oh man, he might actually be a great pick for Detroit, and he's ascended too high in the rankings. So actually, if you're going draft for draft, the proper comparison there would be. McTavish and Drysdale or Edmondson and Raymond because that's how those drafts broke down in which case I changed my answer <laughs> okay Jeremy Dahl says listening to the Verona Insider interviews uh, I almost forgot we have a new coach I think there's an outside chance between all the new talent and some of our players having good growth slash slash bounce back years and the new coaching that we are going to be uh, and the new coaching that we are going to be better than we all think what are your thoughts it's Definitely in the realm of possibility. I mean, I don't expect the Red Wings to make the playoffs, but there's definitely a chance the Red Wings make the playoffs. Here, I, I think there's a very real new coach boost. 
I think that's more prevalent when an in-season coaching change happens. Um, I think having a new voice in the room will energize the guys, but there's also it's also a completely new room. I was like, say half the guys are new. There are a lot of like confounding and and uh, it, it's a big mess of of change in there. So it can go in any direction, and any of it would be justifiable. Like if the Red Wings come out and look sloppy and disorganized and not cohesive with no chemistry, I'll say you know you'll have your honest criticism, but you'll say that's to be expected. These are guys who largely haven't played together. Um, on both forward and defense, Villahusa will be in a new system. Like th- there's going to be a lot of adjustment or they can come out full steam ahead, like lights out running over people playoff atmosphere. And that's because they're, they're playing their hearts out for the loan and wanting to earn the spot in a much more competitive roster. And that would also be not a total surprise. So yeah, um, Jeremy, I don't think it's crazy and I don't think you're, you're wrong for thinking. So it's just too early to say for sure. in My mind. Coyote season tickets in Tempe says who of Booyam, Wallander, Johansson, Vero, and Sabrango do you all think will end up being moved? They all look like they could be NHL level players, in my opinion, and are all left-handed D that are about the same age. Do you also think Steve hit on all of them? Relative to their draft position, it's looking like most, if not all of them, were were good picks. Um, who's going to move on? I have no idea. Absolutely not, because all of them are very movable. And because of the depth, yeah, you probably should move one or two of them. Um, but yeah, I got no clue. Wander and Vero stand out to me, and I don't know why. Not necessarily. It, it all depends on the trade partner and what people are looking for. But I don't see them as odd men out. But I could see Booyam taking some more time, and I could see Sabrango. He's going to dictate whether or not he's a re- AHL regular or, or up and down the bottom pairing of the Red Wings lineup. If, if we're talking most likely to move, the two types of prospects other GMs generally like to acquire, acquire are the the toolsy projects, the, you know, we can fix him, mm-hmm. and the, this guy is just good character, hard-nosed, tough to play against. So by that definition, the two most likely to move would be Wallander and Sabrango, because those are the type of guys that are attractive to other GMs. It's not a bad point. This is a nice comment from Linda Hall. It says, hi boys. I got a nice raise this year. So I gave you one too. Thanks for all the work and effort you put into the podcast in our community. I'm a much smarter and more entertained hockey fan because of you keep up the excellent work. Linda, that is very generous. Congratulations. And your support means the world. It also, it always lights up our day when we see your name pop up. Um, <laughs> And a fun little flip side, this one from, and I'm Eric says, Evan, you're such a disease. You're what the French call les incompetents. What movie is that from? I have no idea. Home Alone, you absolute muppet. Come on, man. I'm not going to lie. I've seen Home Alone at least a half dozen times and I, that did not ring a single bell there. Oh God, guys, Bud's your girlfriend. Woof. Nothing? I remember remember that uh, part. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, watching Simon Edvinson at the World Juniors in the last two prospect games, I have to say I'm not overly impressed. Smooth skater, good passer, but his intensity level, especially in the D zone, is lacking. Because compete is something Eisman highly values, I wonder if it's a concern. I know it's early and we'll get a better idea once he's settled and has some North American pro games under his belt, probably in the A, but I'm hoping he doesn't turn into a Mantha type. Maybe my expectations are too high, 
Thanks, Momo. Or maybe this is an athlete similar to Calvin Johnson who, due to his massive size, only looks like he's trudging through molasses. Hope I'm wrong. Also, my son, Jack, four years old, says, hi. Hey, Jack. Um, You know what? I, I have no problem with people making note of those warts that you were talking about earlier, Brad, in, in Edvinson's game. And I, I don't think necessarily anything is wrong that's being called out in there. I would probably say, yeah, don't don't weight them too heavily in terms of future development. It's still very early and it's easy to not be able to kind of see through uh, those warts and the negative parts of his game to how he'll turn into a regular NHLer. Most prospects have warts, like we said before. So definitely too early, but yeah, I, I, I highly encourage watching with a critical eye and you and Brad mentioned a lot of the same things in there. Uh, and let's just answer this one. Join the dark sider says with what we've seen so far with Edvinson, does he make the opening night roster? Yes or no, Evan? No, no. You know what? Just to counter you two, I'm going to say no as well. <laughs> okay. That is, uh, this episode of the winged wheel podcast. Uh, we have some fun little projects and interviews, hopefully coming up for you soon. Uh, stay tuned for those. Um, we are coming into mid-September here, so it's not going to be too long before we're back to two a week. Uh, we'll keep you posted as that's coming. Um, folks, thank you so much for all of your support. Again, if you want to support the show, patreon.com slash podcast and uh, join the Dub Dub Club. We'd like to thank all of our listeners, the sponsors of this podcast uh, episode, NordVPN. And if you, anyone who's left us a rating, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever, it is a huge, huge help to us. Um, we really, really appreciate it. And uh, we, of course, want to thank all of our listeners, including our name-level Patreon supporters. Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Akefur, the Stay Fresh Cheese Bag, Nick Perks, Terry Driver of the Number 69, Crying Ryan Hannah's Banana Slam and Jamathong, and his Ungodly Body Pillow Collection. Uh, Matthew M. Rice, Ben Hurd, Brendan M., Carl Brutanen, Nanaluski, Chimmy, Chris P., Citizen High Five, Connor Scovey, Coyote Season Tickets in Tempe, Craig Kibble, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Give Blood Fight Probert, Hassam Al Qasem. I tried so hard and got so far, but in the end, it doesn't even, as there's a drive into deep left field by Castellanos, and that. <laughs> Jay Gollum, Jacob Turner, Kalen Wood, Kevin James, King Tone, Kyle Hashman, Marcus, Matt McKay, Nedelkovic, goalie number one, Nicholas Fritz, R.A., Ryan Hanna, Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, The Podcasting Couch, Zachary Rogers, General Andy Bohan of the Cheesebag Army, Sam Bankson, Antonio Gracias, Babe Landeskog is a Stanley Cup champion, Ben Barron, Brian Vasha, Connor Leighton, Darren Fick, Dave W., Evans Happy Meal Parking Garage, Philip Zadiz Nuts, <laughs> Griffey Boy. That one always gets me, man. Uh, in a vacuum, it's fine. And I'm Evan. In the UK, it's Ryan Anna. In it, bruv. <laughs> I don't get it. I hate you, nerds. James Laporte, Jeremiah Dovo, JM Rhapsody, John Evans, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Linda Hull. Thank you for becoming a name level sponsor, Linda. Logan Burgos, Matt S, Max, uh, Maximilian, Melissa Erickson, Papa Woody, Puck Norris, Reed, Ryan Hanna, Ryan Hanna's good doppelganger, Thick Rick, that's all, 
we'll talk to you later this week uh folks for patreon exclusive bonus episodes take care thanks for tuning in to the winged wheel podcast be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com where you can subscribe to the show on itunes spotify or wherever you get your podcasts you'll also find links to other ways to support the show such as patreon official podcast apparel and more and don't forget to follow the show on twitter at winged wheel pod and of course the hosts at brad crisco at ryan hannah wwp and at hockey town evan